Welcome to the Cashflow Ninja, the podcast sharing how to create and grow income streams and manage, multiply, and protect your wealth in the new economy. Are you tired of trading your time for money? Do you desire freedom today instead of retirement in 10, 20, or 30 years? I'm MC Lobsher, and this is the Cashflow Ninja. Hello, Cashflow Ninjas. MC Lobsher here, and welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Ninja. I have a great show for you today. In today's show, we're going to look at Bitcoin and get an update of what is going on with Bitcoin and in the Bitcoin space. I'm joined today by Tone Vase. Tone has worked on Wall Street for almost 10 years, starting as a risk analyst at Bear Stearns and later becoming vice president at JP Morgan Chase in the aftermath of the 2008 financial crisis. His expertise is in economic trends, trading, and risk analysis. Ever since getting involved in the cryptocurrency ecosystem in early 2013, he has been very active in spreading the relevance and importance of this technology as it helps promote economic freedom. Tone has been featured in several documentaries like Magic Money and Bitcoin Beyond the Bubble. Tone is now an independent content creator at ToneVase.com. And his YouTube channel focuses on sound economics and finance. Tone holds a master's degree in financial engineering from Florida State University, along with a bachelor degree in mathematics and also geology. If you're interested in joining our investors group, you could go to cashflowninja.com forward slash investors group and fill out an application form and or email me at info at cashflowninja.com to start the discussion to see if you're a good fit for our group. And if you're in the Philadelphia, Bucks County, and Southern New Jersey area, we are hosting a live investors meetup event every month in Newtown, Pennsylvania. For more information on the monthly event and information on how to join us at our next live event, you could go to cashflowninja.com forward slash events. MC Lobshire, the host of the Cashflow Ninja podcast and also the president and chief wealth and investment strategist of Producers Wealth, where we help our clients integrate cashflow banking, also known as infinite banking, with their business and investments. If you're interested in learning more about how we create strategies that integrate cashflow banking and investments to turbocharge them, you can access a video series at yourownbankingsystem.com. That's yourownbankingsystem.com. Don, welcome back to the show. Thanks, man. Always happy to be on with the Ninja. <laughs> yeah, always appreciate our time together and our conversation and our listeners do so as well. I always get great feedback. Um, Tone, so I think a good place to start is if you just want to let some of our new listeners know who you are and maybe our existing ones that have already been following you, what you've been up to, because uh, you're, uh, you're out of the country right now as, as we speak. So maybe share a little bit of what you've been up to. Man, I don't even have a country anymore, but, uh, but yeah, for sure. So I started out on traditional Wall Street, uh, was there for almost 10 years, uh, discovered Bitcoin in 2013. Well, I discovered Bitcoin in 2011, but I didn't buy any Bitcoin until 2013. And the specific event that triggered me was the Cyprus confiscation of people's bank accounts. Uh, then the Greek banking crisis came in 2015, and those things really solidified my view that Bitcoin, as you can see on my shirt, is unconfiscatable, 
uh, censorship-resistant value transfer. Uh, and those two incidents between Cyprus and Greece, and I'm specifically pick, picking developed countries, not developing countries. Like there, I, we all know about Venezuela and then the currency problems in Turkey and all these other places. I'm in Egypt right now. They had their crazy currency devaluation uh, this decade. And um, so we're talking about developed countries. And those kinds of events really made me look into Bitcoin and really understand it. The other aspect of Bitcoin, while I was always going back and forth in the economic world of, you know, hard money, the gold standard versus, you know, the fiat money. And then I read Seyfedin's book, The Bitcoin Standard, and it really solidified a case for why Bitcoin is a true store of value, which is also on my shirt. Uh, this shirt was gifted to me, actually. It's absolutely awesome because I say these things all the time. And uh, the word unconfiscatable is really important to me. That's why I, I named my conference in Las Vegas that took place in January, Unconfiscatable. So anyway, so that brought me into Bitcoin, started speaking at conferences. People wanted to hear more of what I had to say. That led me to be an interview on shows like yours and other YouTubers. And then that led me to having my own YouTube channel, uh, which at the moment focuses more on the price of Bitcoin and trading because that's my specialty. But when I do find a stable place to live for a few weeks, then we start doing the law shows, the news shows, I interview people. It starts to get a little more interesting, but while I'm traveling every three to four days to a new country, the only thing I can do is quickly log on, do a quick, uh, uh, where's the price of Bitcoin going and uh, leave it there for now. But uh, that was probably a very long intro, but uh, that kind of gives you a background on why Bitcoin is important as well and why I love it. No, that's great. I appreciate that. So what are some of the places that you've been traveling lately? And what are some of the interesting things and experiences that, uh, that you've experienced and some of the interesting things you've seen on your travels? Wow. So um, after we finished the Unconfiscatable Conference in Las Vegas, um, I set out on a trip and I'll just name the countries real quick in order that I visited them. And this is since early February. Uh, Paris, France, London, Kiev, Ukraine, Thailand, several places in Thailand, uh, New Delhi, India, got a chance to see Taj Mahal, Austria, um, Hong Kong for a couple of conferences, was there 10 days. That's un un unheard of for me. Um, after Hong Kong, went back to Europe, to Switzerland, little conference in Mallorca, Spain, on an island. Now I'm in Egypt uh, for a trading conference. Uh, from here, I'll spend like one night in Turkey and then finish it off with another one of my own conferences. This one, I uh, got together with Adam Back, who was mentioned in the Satoshi white paper, uh, the inventor of Hashcash which Satoshi referenced and used to build Bitcoin. He's the current CEO of Blockstream. Uh, they're a core developer team, some of the core developers. And a man named Giacomo Zucco out of Italy, who's a regular on my YouTube channel. And we're putting together a conference called Understanding Bitcoin, where we bring in a lot of developers and ourselves. And we want to be this bridge between a Bitcoin user that is not fully 
um, utilizing the power of Bitcoin and wants to be a power user. So we're there to educate people how to keep Bitcoin decentralized, why Bitcoin is advancing its technology the way that it does, uh, teach people how to set up nodes, which are very critical for decentralization, teach people how to use the new scaling solutions, which is Lightning, uh, even teach people how to use the satellite network so that your Bitcoin transactions aren't dependent on the internet in case you end up having to use Bitcoin in a country where the internet was turned off. Uh, and we want to teach people about mining and uh, maybe how to set up a miner, teach people about how to protect their private keys. Uh, so all of these things, there's just, because uh, Bitcoin is not a company, it doesn't have a PR uh, you know, it doesn't have a PR department. It doesn't have a uh, tutorial department. So people like myself and others that are uh, that want to help the community. Uh, so we put on events like this. This will be the first of its kind. It's called Understanding Bitcoin. The website is understandingbtc.com. So if anyone is interested, it's only like seven days away, though. And the first conference is always hard, but it gives you that foundation. And then as long as you do a good job and you have the good videos, people will show up for the next one. So I don't care how much money this one loses me, uh, but the next one will make up for it. Yeah, absolutely. And you're definitely uh, providing so much value and spreading the information. What is going on with Bitcoin? What is going on in, uh, in the crypto space? Um, the public eye and attention. I mean, collectively, Tone, we have the attention span of a gnat, right? So we're always chasing the, the, next, uh, the next thing, the next shiny object. Uh, so it's been out of the news for the majority of people. So a lot of people might have no idea what's going on there. Uh, what, 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 what's been going on and what are some of the things that you're looking at? Yeah, it's amazing how no one cares about Bitcoin now that the price has fallen, you know, 75 to 80 percent, uh, as opposed to everybody caring about Bitcoin when the price was at all time highs. And this is how the market functions. And uh, right now, there are some amazing things happening under the hood in the development of Bitcoin, in the code of Bitcoin. Everything is going great. All of these hard forks of Bitcoin, like Bcash, they like to call it Bitcoin Cash to screw up with the branding. Um, they now fork. Um, it's now Bitcoin SV and BCH. Um, I just someone just texted me saying one of the the lead developer of that fork chain is quitting, and uh, it's great. I mean, things couldn't be better. But just because things couldn't be better it doesn't mean that the price is ready to go to new all-time highs. Let me give you a, a historical, a recent historical example. Would you say that the internet and the, your usage of the internet was greatly increasing between the years 2001 and 2011? Absolutely increased. It still Let's increases. Further. Let's take that all the way up to 2015. How much better was the internet in 2015 than it was in the year 2000? Oh, ab absolutely. I mean, it just I think the iPhone was already on version uh, seven. <laughs> Meanwhile, in the year 2006, there was no such thing as a smartphone. But here's what people don't realize. The value of the NASDAQ, the value of the companies on top of the internet peaked in 2000 and did not reach 
new all-time highs in the NASDAQ until 2015. If you inflation adjust that, that's probably 2016 or just last year, the NASDAQ finally reached a new high, inflation adjusted for what happened in 2000. So there is this disconnect between the value of new technology and the speculation and the strength of that new technology. So right now, amazing things are happening with Bitcoin under the hood. There is absolutely nothing interesting happening outside of Bitcoin. All of the other cryptocurrencies are somewhere between um, a scam and a useless project. So do you have a spectrum, right? So if it's not Bitcoin, it's either totally useless or an outright scam. And, you know, 90% of the things fall in the middle, but closer to the scam side of the spectrum, right? And um, nothing interesting is happening there. To me, everything outside of Bitcoin are those dot-coms of the year 2000 that drove NASDAQ to $5,000. When NASDAQ finally bottomed, the reason why it took 15 years to recover in price is because people weren't dumb enough uh, to buy into dot-coms just because they were dot-coms. They actually started to care about the functionality of the company, whether it had customers, whether it had revenue, whether it had you know, something tangible to offer. And until people realize the same exact thing in the crypto space, uh, where only Bitcoin is going up in price, and all the other altcoins are either stay down or continue going down to the point where people realize how useless they all are, uh, this bear market might actually last longer than people would want to admit. Very interesting, yeah, because uh, I've heard a lot of things are happening, uh, as you mentioned, below the hood. Another thing that um, if I just browse a couple of stories here and there and look at some commentary – um, also is the interest of financial institutions in that space and the developments going on there. And this is something that I think you and I have discussed um, on, on our conversations on the show that once, once they figure out how to, how to play in that space, it's really going to unlock a lot of opportunities. What do you see happening uh, in financial institutions, their interest, their development? Uh, what, what's going on there? I go the other way on this one. Um, the financial institutions, I don't think they care. I think Bitcoin and the crypto space is way too small uh, for them to really care about it. That's my point number one. And my point number two is none of the financial institutions are actually interested in a unconfiscatable censorship-resistant store of value. That's not their business model. Their right. business model is the complete opposite of what Bitcoin <laughs> offers. Right. So, Right. So this is why all of these financial institutions are kind of playing around in the altcoin space. And what they're re and, they're, and I hope they're smart enough. And I, and I do believe that they're smart, right? Like, I mean, again, I come from Wall Street and there are some smart people there. I mean, like, I can see most libertarians and most people in the crypto space and most people that talk, you know, garbage about Wall Street, they've never been there. Like, they have no idea. They have no idea how smart the people are. Like, it's not like a government job. You don't become somebody else's boss by being incompetent, right? And just outlasting them. That's not how it works. So, like, the bosses that I had on Wall Street, like, 
I was like scared to ask a question. I mean, uh, there'd be problems. And I thought I was a pretty smart guy. You know, I'm a, I have two bachelor degrees, one in geology. I took my chemistry as well and physics uh, as part of the science degree, a math degree, a financial engineering degree. Uh, you know, I, I've done pretty well with what I've done in crypto. And uh, I'm a pretty good problem solver. I process information ridiculously quickly. And like the people above me on Wall Street, I mean, these guys would just embarrass me. Like I'd spent like half a day trying to figure out a problem. And then I finally have to ask someone, and he'd look at me going, really? It's so simple. It's this, this, and this. Like, like some of these guys are ridiculously smart. So I know I'm going off on a tangent here, but, uh, and none of them are malicious, maybe very, very few. I mean, the, uh, it's funny, like of all the years I've been on Wall Street, not once had I seen anybody do coke. Let's not talk about what I've seen in the crypto space. And, uh, <laughs> and um, uh, so I'm assuming they're smart enough to realize uh, that Ethereum is nonsense, uh, that like all of these other uh, blockchains are nonsense. Ripple is ridiculous. The Ripple token is just an outright scam. So uh, what they're doing is they're trying to figure out, uh, can we just fork this technology and run it in-house in a centralized way where we're in control and can that be useful? Can it be useful? Sure, it can be useful, right? I mean, anything that these old banks and uh, again, intersecting with the government, intersecting with the general public, anything they can do to upgrade their 1980s technology is a great thing, but they don't need decentralization. In fact, that's the last thing they need is decentralization. So, I mean, they're playing around with this. I'm assuming they're smart enough to figure out that it's nonsense. They're gonna try and build something on their own. I mean, JP Morgan is coming out talking about they're building a stable coin. Uh, uh, Facebook is coming out talking about they're going to build their own stable coin. I mean, again, this is once again, nonsense. I mean, JP Morgan has a stable coin. It's called the U S dollar. Uh, I mean, all, all you have to do is eliminate the, the paper form of it. And you have the, the, the best stable, uh, cryptocurrency you can ask for. Is it decentralized? Of course not. Is it unconfiscatable? Of course not. Is it censorship resistant, uh, to send it anywhere you like? Of course not. Though I will make an argument that, uh, it's selectively uh, censorship resistant because, I mean, I still have a business uh, in the tri-state area in New Jersey, and we paid one of my employees uh, through Chase with Chase QuickPay, and we paid it to that person's uh, phone number. And the money didn't get to that person. So we started investigating, and the money ended up at some other bank because apparently someone else had his phone number registered with the, uh, with, the cha with, with, with the banking cash sending system bank to bank. So I was on the phone with Chase for like, how I wasted an entire day arguing with Chase saying, this is the guy's phone number. He's had this phone number for 10 years, long before you had your system. Explain to me how the money went to another person and how do we get this money back? That was a person's paycheck. You know, we know it went to Bank of America, but they're not gonna talk to us because we, we're not customers of Bank of America. We're customers with Chase. Um, you are, um, you are the employee is a customer of Chase, but the money went to somebody in Bank of America and we don't know who it is. Can you give us our money back and send it to the right person? And they said, no, it is unrefundable, right? And I literally was like yelling at them saying, so you're telling me that if I sent this money to a known uh, drug lord, 
or like, like a known sex offender, you're saying, I wouldn't get in trouble for doing something stupid through your system and the money wouldn't be recoverable. So, I mean, th this, is what, uh, this is what it comes down to, man. Well, like, like it's so selective. Like they can do whatever they want. Like, sure, I expect that from Bitcoin. If I send it to the wrong address, I send it to the wrong address. Uh, yeah. And it's gone. But, I don't, but the reason why I use financial institutions is to be that middleman to give me that insurance. If they're not going to be that insurance policy, why am I using you? I might, if I'm going to make stupid mistakes, I'd rather make them not depend, not have you not fix your mistakes. So um, um, the, is this, is, uh, again, I'm going off on a tangent here, just going off on the banking system and why Bitcoin is so critical. I would love to pay all my employees in Bitcoin. Uh, man, it, it, it would be awesome. But uh, again, not everybody knows it yet. So are the banks really interested? No. A couple of hedge funds, a couple of really daring hedge funds might be interested, but they got caught in the bear market. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, so, and, and for a hedge fund, I mean, they really have to be bold and daring. Just put yourself in the shoes of a big money manager, right? It's a giant company. Uh, not only are you managing money for thousands of people, you also have hundreds, potentially hundreds of employees. Uh, you have a company, you have a brand, you have a, um, a reputation, and you are making pretty damn good money. Is it really worth it to you to play around in this unregulated space, potentially buying Bitcoin, holding it with some institution that gets hacked, taking your own Bitcoin, then realize that one of your tech guys is smarter than you and he hacked your own system and stole that Bitcoin from your fund? I mean, you can lose your million dollar job. You can lose your entire company. You have hundreds of employees dependent on you not screwing up. And you're going to risk all that to play around in the unregulated space for a little extra yield? I, I highly doubt that serious institutions are really, really looking at Bitcoin just because like, it'll endanger their very nice way of life. And uh, this is one of the ways that Bitcoin can slide under the radar and eventually new people will become at the top of the food chain financially, which would be, wouldn't be a bad thing. You're listening to The Cashflow Ninja, the show helping people all over the world create monthly cash flow and achieve freedom today, not in 10, 20, 30, and or 40 years. This is a show where cash is not king, but cash flow is king. We will be right back after a word from our sponsors. My friend Dave Zook says, you can be conventional or you can be wealthy. Pick one. Dave and his team at The Real Asset Investor have syndicated many successful real estate and ATM projects over the last decade. Now his team has an exclusive opportunity for investors in the coal space. Do you want to be part of an energy project that takes conventional coal and cleans it up by extracting liquids while releasing almost zero emissions? The sale of these liquids can produce strong double-digit cash flow and aggressive tax benefits against ordinary income, all while using America's number one most plentiful resource in a responsible, efficient manner. Now that's non-conventional. For more information on this exclusive opportunity, you can visit therealassetinvestor.com or contact the Real Asset Investor team at info at therealassetinvestor.com. Are you having a hard time finding great investment properties? Unfortunately, the best deals are rarely found locally, 
Successful investing begins with the right properties in the right markets. Norada Real Estate provides everything you need to invest in the best deals across the United States. Our simple proven system will help you create real wealth and passive monthly cash flow. Learn how to find the best deals by downloading your free copy of The Ultimate Guide to Passive Real Estate Investing at noradarealestate.com. That's N-O-R-A-D-A realestate.com. You're listening to The Cashflow Ninja, the show helping people all over the world create monthly cash flow and achieve freedom today, not in 10, 20, 30, and or 40 years. This is a show where cash is not king, but cash flow is king. Now let's return to our interview. Yeah, if I just look at the market cap here, global market cap, what is it, $137 billion. So that's <laughs> that's not a big market for those guys to play no, in. It's very small. There's like, well, that's the total. That is that the total or just that's the total today? Yeah, I just pulled up. Uh, right. I mean, again, total. The total is totally irrelevant. You just got to yeah. look at Bitcoin, right? So that means Bitcoin is probably what seventy-five billion, eighty billion. This means there's like a dozen people on the planet that 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 are worth more than the entire market cap of Bitcoin. <laughs> And everything else is just nonsense and it's all going to zero in my opinion. And if I'm wrong and everything else doesn't go to zero, people are like, you can't say that. You can't say that the other you know, 2,999 currencies are going to zero. That's all wrong of you. And I tell them, okay, fine. Name me five coins that are not going to zero that you are willing to bet on for the next 10 years. And everyone is scared to name the five, but they are convinced that there will be some. And my answer to that is, you know what? Then you go bet on them as a trader. Um, I'm not gonna, I don't know which five of the 3,000 dot coms with no customers and no clients and no use cases will actually survive. And I am not planning to lose, you know, 99% of those bets only to potentially win on that one or even 0.1% of so because I have no clue who else might survive I'm taking the position that none will and if I'm wrong I'm wrong but I'll be right the other 99% the other I want to say 99 but it's more like 999 times so and I'll take that position you know every day of the week but Bitcoin is something that I trust and I'm willing to lock it up and not even try and do my best not to touch it for the next 10 years. That was the plan. I locked up um, uh, a few Bitcoin back in uh, 2013, late 2013 or something. And, um, and I had zero intention of touching that. I mean, it was in deep cold storage. It was assumed lost by the bots that try to evaluate, you know, which coins are still active. And I know that that because during the spam attacks of uh, at the end of 2017 in order to prop up you know uh bitcoin cash and all this other garbage um they were spamming addresses that they thought were inactive so when it was time for me to break into that cold storage because i got greedy and i wanted to sell all that bitcoin cash and collect an extra 10 percent on my bitcoin I, I broke into that cold storage and I'm like, what the hell? Why are there two additional transactions in this wallet that no one knew existed? And the transactions are for a single Satoshi. So they were for like 0.00001 penny. And it was such a data heavy transaction 
This is how I know it was an outright spam attack just to make Bitcoin look bad. And there's still, and people are still not smart enough to realize that Bitcoin transactions have been incredibly fast, incredibly cheap for the last 12 months. And they're still using the propaganda that Bitcoin is slow and, uh, and, 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 and expensive and not private. I'll give them the not private thing. Uh, the privacy is getting so much better at our conference again in Malta coming up next weekend, uh, not this upcoming weekend, but the weekend after and uh, uh, April 5 to 7. We're going to teach people like, yes, Bitcoin privacy isn't great right now, but here's what you can do right now to make your transactions more private. And here's what's coming in the near future to make them very private. So things are improving so fast. Even I can barely keep up with it. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned use case and the network effect, right? That's the one thing if you look at, you know, uh, even social media websites and so forth, the more and more people using it, the more, more powerful it becomes the network effect. And that's essentially the power of it, um, regardless of what the price is. The more people using it, the more powerful it becomes. Um, I just peeked back to our comment that it's $138 billion uh, market. Bitcoin is... 69.8, so almost <laughs> way over half of that. What is the, the, the use uh, been of that? Has that been increasing, the network effect increasing? Um, and what's going on around the world? Is there some countries that it's just more prevalent or uh, uh, prevalent uh, than in others? If I had to say, I would say that like Bitcoin's usage network effect uh, it has slowed down significantly. I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if it reversed and is trending backwards a little bit because uh, everyone was convinced that, hey, if I start accepting Bitcoin for my products, I'll make more money. But that's not really how it works. And like even what happened with my business, uh, I started my business in 2014 and we were accepting Bitcoin and no one paid. Like no one showed up, no one paid. And there's only so many employees you can constantly teach to accept Bitcoin as a payment when no one comes and pay for it. So I stopped. And um, like, uh, I mean, we might still be listed on Google or whatever saying that we accept Bitcoin, but it's been years since anyone at that business, because I'm never there and it's a physical business. Uh, no one at that business knows how to accept a Bitcoin payment. Uh, and I can see that from a lot of companies. A lot of companies start accepting Bitcoin, then they stop accepting Bitcoin. Uh, but then when the price goes up and a lot of people have more money and people become richer uh, from the price of Bitcoin going up, they want to spend the Bitcoin. So now they start convincing uh, merchants to accept Bitcoin. And those merchants are very interested in Bitcoin because the price is going up and they want to speculate. And the easiest way to earn Bitcoin is to provide something that people want to pay for in Bitcoin, which is how I'm able to do it. Um, if you want to pay me for my services in, in, in fiat money, it'll cost you about 25% more. Uh, so uh, I kind of force people to pay me in Bitcoin, and they do. Uh, so that's what's going to happen. It's just a cycle. When, when, when Bitcoin eventually bottoms and starts to go back up in price again, we're going to see lots of people wanting to spend it and lots of people looking to accept it. Uh, but for now, you know, let the technology develop. I'm not upset at all. And just and accumulate more Bitcoin while the price is low. 
Absolutely. Well, let's touch base on some of the words on your T-shirt, right? On and maybe you can summarize what's going on and what you're seeing in the in the global marketplace, the global economy, social media. You're in the United States, obviously, uncontrollable and censorship resistant has been big topics, especially with big data uh, and big uh, social media uh, giants. Uh, stepping into the fold. Uh, what are some of the things that you're seeing uh, in the world? What are some of the things that you're seeing in technology uh, with uh, with regards to being uncontrollable and censorship resistant? Well, um, around the world, I speak at all these conferences and some of the conferences are still able to get a big crowd, but many of the conferences are struggling getting people in the door. Uh, and my conferences are... You know, they, they weren't big, but, uh, but I have a very strong core of followers that definitely come out and support. But um, yeah, the hype is slowly dying down. The ICOs, the old coins, they're dying down even more. And um, that's what I really see uh, from that angle. Uh, other than that, the global economy has been doing very, very good. Now, I'm not saying that an economic and financial crash would be good for Bitcoin. I think a major financial crash would actually be bad for Bitcoin. But small uh, financial issues, specifically banking issues in first world countries, they are amazing for Bitcoin. If we have another Cyprus event, if we have another Greek event, if the Italian banks falter, if the you know, the U.S. decides to confiscate people's money, uh, things like that. If they continue to escalate, you know, uh, tax havens under attack, you know, uh, you know, you pick a tax haven, I don't know, like the Bahamas or something or uh, one of these islands and uh, you start going after them and you confiscate people's money that thought it was, you know, safely uh, protected uh, from confiscation. Uh, you go after some of that stuff and you'll see Bitcoin going through the roof uh, because people will just, they'll need another outlet to protect uh, their money from those that have the ability to confiscate it, which is why I love the word unconfiscatable. If it gets added to the dictionary, I want a little citation. I do own unconfiscatable.com, which is the conference name as well. Great. Well, Tone, uh, gold and silver's God's money. And then we have government money, fiat money, and then people's money, which Bitcoin plays into. So I always say to listeners, I know this space has gone very quiet. You don't hear anything in the media really about it anymore. But really stay on top of this, watch this space, see the developments, look at it, because I still believe that there's going to be a ton of stuff happening here. And uh, if you do stay informed of what's going on in this space, you're going to see the next massive wave, which I think will come back even stronger than what, what, what we have. You'll, you'll see that coming. Tony, what are some of the things that, um, where, where can folks follow you? I know that you've got to jump on a, on a train after you spend a day in the pyramids, living the dream out in, uh, out in the global world. Um, where, where can listeners follow you? Uh, what are some of the things that they should look out for? And where can they meet you in person at, at some of these conferences and get in, more information about it? Sure, sure. And uh, before, before, before I go there, I'm sure a lot of even your listeners are curious what I think about the price of Bitcoin, one of the things mm -hmm. we haven't discussed. So I'll make that quick. Um, I still think that Bitcoin has 
uh, another lower low to go. I still believe that prices will go sub $3,000 and potentially even sub $2,000. That's what I'm going to be looking to seriously load up on Bitcoin, that sub 2000 zone, which I kind of hope it gets there, but I kind of hope that it doesn't because that I'll be very poor if it does. Uh, I don't want to lose any more wealth uh, of the Bitcoin I have currently still have in cold storage. Uh, however, at the moment, we are on a bit of a bull run. So um, I, I think it's very possible we can get to 5,000 and even a little bit higher before the drop below 3,000. Uh, but if we drop below 3,000 in the very near future, then we're going to bottom out sooner. If we go up to 5,000, I'm still going to be expecting a newer low later this year. If we go above 10,000, I'll probably become bullish and I'll admit I was wrong about the sub $3,000 low. And on that note, hey guys, I am tone vase everywhere. Be very careful of imposters. Um, if you think you're talking to me, make sure you're talking to me. Uh, so many fakers on Telegram, on Twitter, uh, and they do a very good job pretending to be me that even my friends get fooled. So um, I, I don't take money from companies and people to be on my YouTube channel. My YouTube channel is Tone Vase. I, I, I mean, I, I, I don't. So if, if someone is saying they're, they're selling time on my YouTube channel, that's a lie. Uh, so you can find my YouTube channel, Tone Vase. I do videos almost daily. Did one today on top of a camel with the pyramids in the background. <laughs> uh, I talked about the price of Bitcoin a little bit. And um, also Tone Vase on Twitter. Tonebase.com has my schedule. It has my calendar of all the conferences I speak at. Also has my workshops where I teach people how to be better traders. My 15 years of trading experience. Uh, running two conferences right now. One is Unconfiscatable. Took place a few months ago. The next one is Understanding Bitcoin. The website is understandingbtc.com. All of these are also on tonebase.com. You can get them from there. So just check it out. There's also a trading tutorial on tonebase.com. So everything is tone-based. Just throw it in Google and you should be able to find me. Great. That's when you know when you made the big time, right? It's when people start. Imp um, <laughs> I'm waiting for that Wikipedia page, man. Yeah, imposter, imposters online pretending to be tone. Tone, as always, great, my friend. Great catching up. Appreciate you coming on the show and providing so much value for my listeners. Thank you so much again and uh, safe travels, my friend. Thanks a lot, MC. Glad to be on. Life settlement investments have allowed financial and banking institutions to not only buy their equity contractually, but also diversify their capital from any economic, market, and geopolitical risk. It's been part of the billion-dollar blueprint followed by institutional investors. And if you're an accredited investor, you can also now participate in this vehicle with enormous growth potential. You can watch an informational webinar presented by one of the premier organizations providing life settlement investments for number of solutions at cashflowninja.com forward slash life settlements. Thank you again for joining me on the Cashflow Ninja. If you like what you hear and appreciate what we're trying to build here, please subscribe, rate, and write a review for our show on iTunes and share our show with family, friends, and your network. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can sign up for our newsletter at CashflowNinja.com. I want to thank you for spending your most precious resource with me today, your time. Until next time, my friend, live a life of passion and purpose on your terms.
presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The information being presented and considered does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation, and it does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax and legal advisor or other qualified professionals, and you should not use the information in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional regarding your specific personal financial objectives situation and needs. We believe the information provided is reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness.